Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. We're always happy when Francis Ball agrees to join us for fellowship regarding the life study of Genesis. And again, Francis, it's awfully good to see you. Welcome back. And I'm happy too. Thank you. We're very much absorbed these days in these life studies and experiences of Jacob. Uh, But for the benefit of the ones just joining us, would you take a minute and give us a little background on Jacob's life up to this point? Well, you can look at it from two points of view. One is what God was doing with Jacob. And the other view is what Jacob was doing with God's promises. In the first place, God chose Jacob, and God gave him some promises, even worked out a lot of ways to deal with him, and took him through a lot of experiences. And from God's point of view, he was really working on Jacob to bring him to a full, transformed man. And these experiences that we've had so far are part of that dealing that God had with Jacob. But from Jacob's side, when you look at it from his point of view, Jacob is always working things out according to his own view, according to his own standing. He cheated Esau out of his birthright by trading a bowl of soup for his birthright. And then he cheated him to go to Isaac and get the blessing that should have gone to Esau. And he even pretended to be Esau and deceived his father, and the result of all this caused him to go through a lot of experiences that uh, when you look at it humanly, you wouldn't expect he would have had to do. He had gotten to a place where he had to leave home, and his mother arranged to get uh, the father's agreement to send him off to her relatives, I would say maybe under the pretense that she couldn't bear the thought of him getting a wife among the people of the land where they were. And Jacob left. He left because... Esau was threatening him because he really hated him by now the way he had been treated. Jacob means usurper, and he was certainly doing all this. But as he's out alone, it's a different story. He's by himself. He has a lot of experiences now on this journey. We all know the story about his putting his head on a a rock for a pillow and taking that stone and making a pillar out of it and calling it the house of God. All of these things transpired there. Eventually, he did end up at uh, his mother's brother's place and even made a deal to get the youngest daughter, Rachel, whom he loved, and got a lot of dealings under Laban's hand, actually for 20 years. It would be too long to repeat all these things, but we can see that there's always this in Jacob. He has God's promise. He's had the experience of seeing God. He's had the experience of this vision of the latter, which was very meaningful. But he always carried things out according to his way by his own working. So you have to say he didn't trust God during all these experiences. He had the promises, but he just didn't believe God would work it out that way. So he worked on it. Today, I think we'll see some more experiences that he's going to be going through. 
There are more experiences of Jacob ahead, and all of them seem to be a window into some of our own experiences, don't they, Francis? That's definitely right. Let's join Witness Lee with this very interesting and enjoyable life study. In the past, we never have seen Jacob trust in the Lord. Since he was born, he began to exercise his ability to do everything for himself until now. In the last message, we have seen how he fled Laban with such a fear. Right after he got through the trouble with Laban, in front of him, there was another trouble. He was in a kind of dilemma. At his uh, back was Laban. In front of him was Esau. While he was troubled by the problem with his brother Esau, the angels of God came. The angels all appeared to Jacob. And Jacob saw the angels. Surely that was not a small number because Jacob called them two camps, two armies, a good number. And this would uh, remind us of the word in Psalm 34. The angels of God encompass around those who fear God and deliver them. Now... The angels of God were encamping around Jacob. This should be, I say, the greatest comfort to this troubled Jacob. Yet, read the uh, chapter again, you could see that he didn't trust in these two camps of the angels. He didn't put his trust in what he saw. But he learned of this something. He saw two armies. So he divided all his people also into two armies. You cannot see Jacob exercise any trust in God in the vision he saw. Rather, he spent all his time and energy in his own doing, still in his natural ability. Okay, after this, Jacob still couldn't sleep so well. <laughs> Using the first technique, he didn't get the peace. So what he did? He did something more. He prayed. <laughs> he prayed. Have you noticed? This was Jacob's first prayer in all his life. Could you believe this? No need to say the time before he went to Laban. Just the time he was with Laban. It was 20 years. He was under the freezing hand of Laban for 20 years. And Laban... Chinned his uh, wages 
for ten times. But the strange thing was that Jacob never prayed. In principle, we all are such kind of a Jacobs. Many of us did practice this way. We got the promise of God, and uh, more or less, we uh, knew God, but we just wouldn't pray. We just wouldn't pray. Regardless what had happened to us, we just wouldn't pray. What we were doing was all the time exercising not our spirit, but our mind. And exercising our ability of the natural strength to do whatever we could. Francis, there was a profound point brought out in this section. And that is, despite all he had gone through, Jacob, up to this point, really had never prayed. You know, I think in a way we can all relate to this. We're all short of prayer. What does this reveal about Jacob? And I guess more pertinently, what does this reveal about ourselves? Yeah. Most of us were really surprised to hear that this is the first time that Jacob prayed. Uh, You may go back and you think, well, he certainly must have prayed when he saw that vision of the ladder. And he must have prayed when God spoke to him about some of these things. But when you look at it, you realize that wasn't real prayer. Not until this time when he's in a very precarious position and fearful that he eventually opens up for a proper kind of prayer. This really does shine a light on us. So many times we think we have the Lord's leading or the Lord's will for a certain thing, but we just don't wait and pray and trust the Lord. We just step ahead and start doing things. We have to learn from this that we're just like Jacob why we wait so long to pray, and even not knowing what to pray about. We need to uh, learn from his experience not to wait till we're so fearful and so much in danger before we pray, but make prayer a part of our daily, even hourly experience. Amen. Thank you, Francis. Let's go back to Witness Lee for more of our life study today. And he had a good prayer. (laughs) Oh, he prayed much better than most of the Christians today. I'd like to uh, read with all of you his prayer. O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac. It's good. It's really good. The Lord which saidest unto me, return unto thy country. You see, he prayed by holding on to the Lord's word. I would say this is the best way to pray. Even to negotiate, this is the best way. To uh, take others' word as a standing for your negotiation. Lord, didn't you see this? Sure you did. Now I stand on your word to ask you to do something. He said, compare with all the loving kindness and the faithfulness which you have shown me, I am smarter than all of them. 
My capacity is so small that cannot contain all your loving kindness and all your faithfulness. In other words, he was humble in the presence of God. Then he said, With my staff, I pass over this river Jordan, and now I am become two camps. There was a picture on the heavens, two camps, on the earth, two camps. Two camps of angels in the air, and two camps of the folks of the Colwyn on this earth. A picture showing that the Colwyn should be fully at peace. Then, verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he would come and smite me and the mother with the children. The last verse, I would say, is the strongest. Now, he touched God's economy. You did say, I will surely do you good and make your seed at the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. I tell you, this is not only to hold on to God's word, but this is also to touch God's heart. You know, God called Jacob for what purpose? For the purpose to have a seed of multitude to fulfill his eternal purpose, that he may have a corporate expression on this earth. Francis, we're coming back to this matter of prayer and the need to examine this first prayer of Jacob because I think we're all realizing that it was quite marvelous. Because in his prayer, he touched God's heart by touching God's economy. What does this mean to us in our own prayers? This is a very, very important lesson to learn about prayer. We just heard Witness Lee read Jacob's prayer when he was going to face Esau and those 400 men with him. How did he pray? He prayed using God's word, holding on to God's word. You can see in this prayer how he humbled himself before God and reminded God of his promises, of his word that he would bring Jacob back to his land, to his father's land, and also that he would make his seed as the sand of the sea. And how could all this be fulfilled if now he's going to meet Esau? But this prayer here, at the beginning especially, was not so much about his safety and about his fear as it was about God's economy. God has an economy. We need to see that God has made his will known, and to know God's will gives us a way to pray. It's so good if we also would change our prayers, even to pray according to God's purpose, not just for something of and for ourselves. I'd say, yes, we are all like Jacob. Even we get God's calling and his promise. Still, we work through all these things by our own cleverness and ability. The way that Jacob prays here really gives us a lesson to know what God's purpose is and then pray according to that. 
One message Brother Lee gave in not too distant past, he said this, We should no longer pray old prayers in a formal way. Instead, we need to pray something that is an echo of what is on God's heart. And that's what Jacob touched this time. This means that what we say in our prayer is exactly what God wants to speak. Such a prayer is the speaking out of God's heart. I appreciate that uh, admonition to drop our old way of praying and learn to pray according to God's purpose and God's heart. I believe not only the nature of our prayer would change, but probably the effect would be much enhanced by that kind of prayer, Francis. I do believe so. Thank you very much. Let's go back to the conclusion of this life study. Up to this point, we all may think of this prayer, Jacob would have had the peace and would have gone to sleep peacefully. <laughs> Listen, this man still was so able, was so capable, he didn't go to sleep. He divided his folks into two uh, troops, and he divided his cattle into nine troops, and he charged all his servants to do the things. It was so late in the night, and don't believe all his folks and all his servants went to sleep peacefully. But he couldn't have a peaceful sleep. He was trying to make a desperate and thorough deal with God. Life or death. This is the right word. Life or death. Because he anticipated that there was a slaughter coming with his brother Esau. He was pretty sure that Esau would uh, slaughter him and all he, his folks. All of a sudden, now, this time, not the angels come. Not the angels came, but the Lord himself came in the form as a man. A man came. <laughs> it's quite meaningful. I think only the Bible could have this kind of story. To his surprise, in the deep night, while he was desperate, a man came. Came to do what? To do the best to put him down. Jacob, you be quiet. Sit down. And lie down. Jacob said, what? I wouldn't. So they two were wrestling. And this wrestling lasted a long time. From the midnight till the daybreak. I cannot tell you because I can't understand why the Lord couldn't put him down. I don't know. But I can infer a little bit that the Lord would show him how natural he was and how much natural strength he had. Here you have so many things. Let me tell you what you have. Number one, you have the Lord's promise in the dream at Bethel. 
right? Jacob got the uh, strong promise from the Lord that the Lord would take care of him in everything and uh, bring him back to uh, his father's land. Number one. Number two, in uh, Liban's home, Jacob also, the second time, got the Lord's word. Promising him that uh, he uh, would go back to his father's land. You see, Jacob got the word. He got the word. Then he uh, divided his folks. And he divided his cattle. In between of these two dividings, he prayed. And after these two dividings, he had a thorough time with the Lord. Fairly speaking, after all this, at this point, we all would agree that Jacob shouldn't have done anything. All his doings should have been stopped. We all, especially you young brothers and sisters, have to learn Something like this. No doubt, you love the Lord. By your loving of the Lord, you have the assurance that you are one of the called ones. You are one of the called. As one of the called, I tell you, the promise of the Lord is here for you. And the goal, the destination, is here for you. And the Lord did charge all of us to go on to reach the goal, to go on to our good land, to go on to our Father's land where we can enjoy the riches of the Lord for His eternal purpose. What should we do? I tell you, we have to just enjoy peace in Him. Francis, a wonderful section of Scripture, and we could talk about many things here. But what does Witness Lee mean that we have the promise and charge of the Lord to reach the goal, to go on to our good land where we enjoy the riches of the Lord for His eternal purpose? Certainly, God has given us promise. And if we read the Bible, and according to the New Testament, we can see He's given us a charge. And even uh, in the writings of Paul, he's always calling us forward to go on, to possess the good land. The good land, in our experience, is not a piece of property on the earth. The good land that we are going to possess and that we are possessing is the all-inclusive Christ. Uh, He's pictured in the Old Testament as the good land. But in the New Testament, he's our portion According to uh, several of the epistles of the Apostle Paul, Christ is our portion. That means he's, he's there to be possessed. If we will take him as our portion, if we realize what God has promised us and how he's charged us to enjoy Christ, he hasn't charged us to do a lot of things. And this was uh, the lesson we learned from Jacob, that he had the promise, he had the charge, but he tried to carry it out by his own understanding and his own ability and his own ways. 
And I'm afraid many of us are the same. I can look at my own life and realize I have God's promise, I have His charge, but I try to do it according to me and according to my ability. But the main thing God charges us to do is enjoy Christ as the good land. This is our charge, this is God's promise, and this is our goal. Thank you, Francis. I enjoyed our fellowship today very much. I did too. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge.